Friends, uh, some of you might remember last month we were collecting questions for an upcoming sermon series. Any of you remember that? Um, and we were, and people who, if you wanted to, the, the idea was you could submit any question, and that, and we would try as a, as a church and as, as pastors to try to, you know, take some of those questions and, and, and really explore how we might be able to answer them faithfully and effectively. And that series is going to be starting in two weeks, um, on October 9th. But I wanted to mention one of these questions because it actually is quite appropriate to some of the stuff that we're dealing with today, and you'll learn more about this too next week as well as we're finishing up this series called Family in Joshua. So here's one of the questions that I wanted to ask, and, and, and by the way, some of the questions that you all submitted, they were great. I mean, I was, I was thinking you, some of you might be like, oh, what's your favorite color, Pastor Ben? But no, like you guys went really deep. It's blue, by the way. You went really, really deep, some of these questions that were submitted. I mean, some of them, I was like, whoa, that is deep. That's a deep question. Well, here's one of the questions that somebody asked. They said, how or what is the best way to start reading and teaching the Bible to my children when I, as a parent, don't even understand what is being taught? (laughs) Sincerely, an anxious and excited mother. (laughs) And, you know, one of the things that we just wanted to state today, you know, as as you're kind of, as we're getting ready for these next week, is I wanted to answer this question, you know, and it it fits in with with a lot of what we're talking about in this sub, in this in this series, especially next week too, as we kind of wrap things up in this series of family. And I wanted to answer it for you as well. You know, what's the best way that you can teach, your, teach the Bible to the, your kids when you don't know? Well, I have a little uh, shameless plug for you. Okay, so this Bible is called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Any of you ever heard of this before? The Jesus Storybook Bible, okay, is one of the best children's Bibles, in my opinion, that is out there, okay? There's some good ones out there. There's a lot of bad ones out there. But this is one of the best children's Bibles that I have found that is out there called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And so if you are a parent and you're like, I don't know where to begin, my answer to you is to find a children's Bible that you trust, that you can read with your children. Because guess what? You get a quality children's Bible, the parent, you're going to learn just as much as the kids sometimes, and, and, and you as a parent can read a story, and, and I've, you know, Rachel and I, we, we've collected a habit, or started a habit where we read a Bible passage to our kids every single evening before bedtime. And so, like, first is find a quality, a quality children's Bible, and this is one of the best ones that's out there. And the second one would be then make it a habit of trying to read a portion of that with your kids on a regular basis. And as you do that, if you challenge yourself to be reading something that's basic enough for you to understand while also reading your own Bible in your off time as you're trying to grow, you're going to find yourself able to answer questions that, that your kids might have. And, I mean, they'll, 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 they'll throw some big ones out you. Trust me. I mean, but, uh, but that's just one thing. And so I just wanted to share that with you as we're kind of exploring ways. As I said, we'll talk a little bit more about some of those family questions next week. Um, but we've got a lot of questions that came out there. It's starting again in two weeks. All kinds of amazing questions are out there. So plan on uh, attending for that series starting October 9th. Uh, the, the series title is um, Asking for a Friend, right? So anyway, um, will you bow your heads and let us pray before we go to God's Word? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we just praise you for gathering us in this place today. For those of us that are here, those of us who are watching at home, online, Lord, wherever it is that we are, as you have gathered us in this place, would you please speak to us through your word. Lord, challenge us where we need to be challenged. Comfort us where we need to be comforted. But through it all, may we have wisdom and humility and courage to obey you and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, whenever I've officiated at weddings... One of the topics that I'll talk about with the bride and the groom before the wedding and then often right in the midst of the service is the significance of commitment, right? 
And in the traditional wedding liturgy, maybe some of you are, you, you could say this, you've heard it enough times perhaps, in the traditional wedding liturgy, there's a place where the, the pastor looks directly at the husband and the wife and they ask this very simple question, but it's a profound question. And at first what happens is I look at the husband and, and I as the pastor will say this, I'll say, will you love her, comfort her, and keep her in sickness and in health, forsaking all others, be faithful to her as long as you both shall live, right? And then I look at the wife and I say, will you love him as hard as it might be, honor and keep him, in sickness and in health and forsaking all others, be faithful to him as long as you both shall live, right? Like that, that, that is, it, it seems like it's a simple question, but it is a powerfully grand question. And in a wedding, in the traditional wedding liturgy, the groom and the bride have to answer that question before they do anything else in the wedding. Before they exchange rings, before they take their vows, before they do any special music or do the little unity candle or the sand or the ropes or whatever special thing they have, and definitely before that big old kiss at the end, right? They have to answer this powerful question about their commitment. You see, you can't answer a question about commitment lightly. That husband and that wife, they don't know what the future holds. Nobody does. There's going to be temptations in the future for, for one of them to abandon the marriage. There's going to be opportunities in the future for one of them to cheat on their spouse, either physically or emotionally. But right there in that moment, they have to answer this question about commitment. Am I willing to forsake and flee all of those future temptations, even though I don't know what they are right now? Am I willing to forsake them and flee them so that I can be faithful to this person right here before me no matter what. It's a question that challenges the bride and the groom in the midst of that wedding ceremony. Will you be faithful? Well, we're going to hear a very similar challenge today from our text from Joshua. And no, Joshua, he's not officiating at a wedding in this passage. And the challenge is not between a husband and a wife, but it's still a very, very similar challenge. And it's a, ch a challenge presented between the people of God and God himself. Will you be faithful? We're going to pick it up right where we were last week. Joshua chapter 24, starting with verse 14. Joshua 24, starting with verse 14. Joshua says, Now fear the Lord. And serve him with all what? Faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. You know, here we find Joshua calling the people before him to make a choice between serving all of the other gods that exist in their life or serving the God of Israel, the one true God. What he's asking for them from them is commitment. He's saying, look, you got to make a decision. Who are you going to serve? You see, what was going on at the time, okay? If we could like go back in time and see what was happening amongst the, the Israelites right here. Many of the Israelites during Joshua's day were serving the Lord, okay? They were serving the God of Israel. They were. But they were also serving other gods at the same time. 
They wanted to have it both ways, right? They wanted to claim that they were serving the God of Israel. They were serving the Lord, but they thought, you know, it might be a good insurance policy for us to serve these other gods just in case. And Joshua is saying, no, that's not how it works. You can't do it that way. You can't just serve a bunch of these gods and, you know, throw a dart at the God dartboard and hope that you hit one, that you're lucky. No, no, that's not how it works. You got to pick you got to serve the Lord, and if you're going to choose to serve the Lord, you got to serve the Lord with all faithfulness. You can't serve the Lord on, on Sundays and then the rest of the week serve all of these other gods. you got to serve the Lord with all faithfulness. Now, let's take a look at some of these verses a little closer. Now, right at the very beginning, verse 14a, he says, now fear the Lord, right? We talked a little bit about this last week, those of you who were here. If you were here last week, you remember that fearing the Lord is about a deep and reverent respect for who God is. It's about having awe and wonder towards God, right? It's about not treating God like some familiar object that you can control or manipulate. When you, when you sit in, before God in prayer, you don't come to God as if he is your butler and you just tell him what it is that you want him to do. No, you stand before the God of the universe in fear and trembling in a holy way, recognizing that the God of the universe loves you enough that he wants you to be in his presence. And he wants you to tell the truth. And he wants you to be honest about what you're going through. And he wants you to ask him things. But he is a great, glorious, powerful God. He's the God of the universe of power and might. We said last week that a healthy biblical fear of the Lord is actually what leads to true trust. A healthy fear of the Lord is what leads to trust. And furthermore, a healthy fear of the Lord makes, ensures that our eyes are always focused on God, not ourselves. Many times when we stumble and we're, and we're not really giving God credit or we're just kind of thinking about how we are so great at this or how we can do this, Usually that's a sign that we're not fearing the Lord appropriately because we're seeing ourselves more than we're seeing God. Well, anyway, Joshua first says, now fear the Lord. And then he moves on to the second half of that verse. He says, serve him with all faithfulness. Serve him with all faithfulness. You see that? The word serve, it's used in various forms six times in just these two little verses. And 16 times in the whole chapter. Like, uh, clearly, this idea of who do you serve is a very, very strong matter for Joshua. And we're going to take a look at, like I said, we're going to take a look at that even more next week. He wants the people to willingly choose to serve the Lord. But he adds this little qualifier at the end, with all faithfulness, right? It's not that you just say, I serve the Lord, and then you kind of do whatever you want. You have to add it with all faithfulness. As I said, the Israelites were trying to serve multiple gods at the same time to cover all of their bases. Yes, I'm going to serve the God of Israel, but I'm also going to serve the rain God just in case I need my crops to grow. And I'm also going to serve the fertility God just in case I want some more kids. And I'm also going to serve the, do you see, do you see what's going on here? Joshua is trying to say, no, you can't do that. You got to serve the one God. And he doubles down here, and he, he does this in, in 14c, Joshua 24, 14c, where he says, throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped, right? He doesn't say, you know, I'll just put them in the closet for a rainy day just in case. He says, get rid of them, get them out of the house, put them out for the garbage collection, throw them away. And you can imagine people saying, but what if, but what about, but what if this happens? Joshua is saying, look, no, you, you can't just, you know, have it your way, like Burger King, and choose whatever God you want. You've got to choose to serve one God and focus on serving the Lord in all faithfulness. 
You know, Jesus talked about this too. And in, in fact, when Jesus was talking about this, he was talking about it in relation to money, right? The money God. That, uh, that was referred in the, in the New Testament. The money God was known as mammon, right? And you know, it's, it's, it's a fair question to ask how many Christians today are still serving the money God, but that's a whole other sermon. But this is what Jesus says in Luke 16, okay? He says this, no one can serve two masters. Do you hear that? And do you hear how Joshua and Jesus are on the same page here? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. There are so many lowercase g gods in this world trying to capture our attention and capture our hearts. They're trying to capture our desires. And in light of this, especially in relation to money, Jesus is saying you can't serve two masters. And Joshua says, you need to serve God in all faithfulness. And and, and the more we reflect on this, I love how the Apostle Paul says it. He says this in 1 Corinthians 4. He says, this then, this is the Apostle Paul, this then is how you ought to regard us as servants of Christ. Notice that, servants, right? Who do I serve? I serve Christ. And as those entrusted with the mysteries that God has revealed. Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must what? Must prove faithful. If you're a servant of Christ, if you're serving God, God is entrusting you with various callings and responsibilities and expectations and things as as to how to fulfill his work in this world. And if you're going to be entrusted with those things, then you ought to be make sure that you prove faithful. Now, how do we, how do we prove ourselves faithful? I mean, that's something, you know, we can say, oh, I want to be faithful, but how do we actually prove ourselves to be faithful? Well, hear this. If you, if you forget everything else, just hear this. Faithfulness is developed through commitment. Faithfulness is developed through commitment. Now, think about commitment. Commitment's not very popular today, is it? You know, we, we, pref- we don't prefer commitment. We prefer those 30-day free trials, right? No cancellation fees, and I'll switch as soon as I can find a better option, right? That's the kind of world that we live in when it comes to commitment. We don't live in a world of commitment. We live in a world, we don't live in a world of commitment. We live in a world of contracts. Look, I, currently, I have a contract with Comcast Internet Service. Any of you have a contract with Comcast or anybody else? But you know what? If a cheaper internet service came around with the same quality, I'm switching. I don't have any commitment to Comcast. I don't care what they think. I have a contract with them. I didn't, I didn't come down the aisle with Comcast and make vows that I would stay with them through richer or for poorer. I, I don't care what, what's going on in their life, and I don't, they don't care what's going on in my life. I have a contract with them that says I have to pay you this much and for this length of time. That's it. I have no faithfulness to them. I have no commitment to them. And, as, and therefore, I have no faithfulness. Faithfulness is, is developed through commitment. It is not birthed in contracts. Now, I mean, think about this. This is exactly why, contra- exact, the, the exact reason why excuse me, contracts exist is we don't trust the other party, right? We don't trust them enough to actually be committed to us, and so we want a contract. We say, get it in writing, right? Precisely because we've learned that you can't trust somebody at their word when there's no commitment involved. Being a follower of Jesus is about being committed to God, no matter what. It's about giving your allegiance to Jesus, no matter what. It's about organizing your life to be committed to serving Christ and to his church, no matter what. 
But instead of being committed to Christ and his church, many of us treat Jesus and the church the same way we treat our internet providers. So if you're actually committed to Christ and the church, do you serve him when it's only comfortable, convenient, fits your schedule? Or do you serve him through thick and thin? Faithfulness is developed through commitment. Joshua says, throw all the false gods away. Jesus says, die to your old selves and be born again. All of these things require commitment. They require resolve. Faithfulness is developed through commitment. And we got to be clear, though, because sometimes we hear this and we think, okay, I just kind of have to muster up the, the commitment in my own life. Okay, I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to pull myself up by the bootstraps and you know, commit myself to Jesus. That's not how it works. Commitment to God actually finds itself in the character of God himself. You will not be able to fully commit yourself to Christ and his church until you have entered into a loving relationship with Christ and his church. Look at what he says in Deuteronomy. This is Moses saying this in Deuteronomy 7. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. Who is faithful? God is faithful. He is a faithful God, keeping his covenant love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. You see, the only way that you will find the strength to be, commitment, to be committed and to be faithful to God is by trusting and knowing the God who is faithfulness itself. You will only be able to find faithfulness and commitment in your own life to God when you are running towards the God who is the definition of faithfulness itself. We break our commitment to God almost on a daily basis, right? We run away from God. We abandon God. We, we reject our promises to God all the time. We turn to sin. We turn to selfishness. We turn to wickedness. But thanks be to God that there is one who is faithful. For God showed himself faithful. He maintained his commitment to us and to his people even when we didn't deserve it. He sent his one and only begotten son to be completely and utterly faithful to God, even to the point of death, when we didn't deserve it. He was faithful and gave his life for us miserable sinners, even when we didn't deserve it. And when you put your faith in Jesus and discover that God loves you anyway, when you discover that God loves you no matter what, that God can redeem no matter how messed up or broken your life or your past is, when you discover that God's faithfulness for you is not based on your personality, it's not based on, on your background, it's not based on your ethnic group, it's not based on the money in your bank account, it's not based on any of those things, it's based on the grace of Jesus Christ who loves you and gave his life for you because he loves you when you do that and you will discover this all transforming radical and magnificent love of God and discover how God's faithfulness to you can empower you to return that same faithfulness back to him you can only find faithfulness to God and commitment to God when you run towards the God who is faithfulness itself so what does it look like to be faithful what does it look like to serve God in all faithfulness? Well, first, let's talk about what it doesn't mean. First, faithfulness does not mean that you will be perfect. Sorry to break it to you. You are constantly going to find room in your life where you have to grow and improve. Now, some of you are thinking, like, I know that, Pastor Ben. You don't have to tell me. But faithfulness doesn't mean that you're just automatically going to be this perfect person. It doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle or that you're not going to make poor decisions. Come on, we see this even in our own human relationships. I am committed to Rachel, but I make tons of stupid decisions in our relationship. Thankfully, she's downstairs and can't 
you know, just justify that at the moment. But even in our human relationships where you have made vows and commitments to be faithful to another person, you still make mistakes. You still mess up. Your faithfulness to God is not going to be this perfect, you know, up and to the right all the way in your life. There's going to be times where you struggle and you strain and you're working through things. So what does faithfulness then mean? Faithfulness means trusting in God and following his commandments even when life is difficult. Say that again. Faithfulness means trusting in God and following his commandments even when life is difficult. Now, in order for us to really live into this, you know, one of the first things we have to do is we actually have to define what does that commitment look like in my life right now. And for the Israelites, right, we hear Joshua giving very clear, you know, details. This is what you need to do. He says, look, you need to have a healthy biblical fear of the Lord. You need to throw away all of the gods that you guys are keeping in the the closets in your home. And you need to just double down and decide who it is that you're going to serve. At a wedding, faithfulness is very clearly defined, right? For better, for worse. For richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, till death to us part. Right? In, in the good times, in the bad times, when there's not enough or when there's plenty of things, when, when, whether we're, we're both struggling with health or illness or whether we're both healthy, like, whatever it is, we're committed to one another no matter what. And so when it comes to following Jesus and being committed and faithful to Jesus now, some of us might need something specific that we can work on. And that's one of the reasons why we at Charter Oak Church have developed what we call the six marks of a disciple. Right? Some of you have heard this before. The six marks of a disciple are meant to give you a target that you can clearly see. Like, this is something that God is calling me to try to improve, if you will. To try to grow in, in my life. Here's the six marks, if you've not heard them before. The first one is devoted worshiper. Right? What does it mean to be fully and utterly devoted to worshiping God on a regular basis? If you're not sick or you're not out of town, be in worship. Make your life committed to participating in the body of Christ. Maybe it means being a humble servant. Humble servant is this. How is God using you, your gifts, to serve Christ and his church? How are you serving the body of Christ inside the walls? Maybe it means being a generous steward. God's been generous to us. God's been faithful to us. How are we trusting God with our very, our our things, our finances, our resources? How are we giving back to God so that God can use the things that he's blessed us with for the sake of others? Community builders is the next one. How are we a part of biblical, biblical community? Are we, in a group of other, are we in a group with other Christians who are holding us accountable to growth? What about being a deployed missionary? Do we see ourselves as people that are called to go outside the walls and, and, and go to wherever God sends us? Or lastly, disciple maker. Are we sharing our faith with other people in our lives? You can take a look at any one of those six marks and say, which one of these do I need to make sure I'm committed to following God in? So how are you going to be able to, how are you going to make that commitment to God? You know, maybe it starts with making a commitment to one of those six marks, like I just mentioned. Maybe there's one of them that you yourself realize that it's not, it's just not happening in your life. Well, maybe it's time to say, you know what, Lord, I'm committed to working on this in my life. Maybe it's being a devoted worshiper, right? Where you make a commitment to be in church, not just when you can, but so much so that you have a habit of telling other people when they say, hey, can you do this on Sunday? You say, sorry, we have a commitment to go be a part of church. Or maybe it's working on being a generous steward, right? Maybe maybe 
what just needs to happen is you just need to work and sit down with people in your family and say, how is God asking us to share our resources with others? What can we do on Sundays? Make a giving plan. Make a decision ahead of time as to what you're going to do to support the work of God at Charter Oak Church. And then, be, and then commit to it, right? Every time Sunday rolls around and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do it. No, you've made a commitment to serve God and serve his church through giving. Make it real. Or maybe, like, or maybe it means being a humble servant, right? If you've signed up for a team, are you actually following through with what you said you were going to do? Don't, don't wait for somebody to come and ask you whether or not you'll help. Ask you yourself take ownership and responsibility and say, I want to serve. Where can I serve? Where is God calling me to serve? Fill out that card that's located in your pews, if that's you. Now look, as we kind of wrap things up, uh, serving God requires perseverance. Being faithful to God requires perseverance. There's going to be times where you're going to want to quit. There's going to be times where you want to go back to the old way of living. But keep your eyes on the hope of Christ and stay the course. Serving God also requires resilience. There's going to be times where you feel defeated. Cast yourself on the grace of God. Cast yourself on the forgiveness of Christ and stay the course. There's going to be times where you need patience. Faithfulness will require patience. There's going to be times where you feel like what you're doing is going nowhere. Where you feel like your progress has just hit a dead wall or you're spinning your wheels. Well, put your trust in the God who has raised the dead and patiently endure the suffering that you might be going through for the sake of the kingdom and stay the course. You know, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus tells this story about a, a variety of different servants. And one of the servants hears these words from his master after he's faithful. Jesus says, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. These words are words that I think so many of us long to hear. Well done. Someday, Jesus, will he say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because the truth is, someday all of us are going to stand before Jesus. And he's not going to applaud you for being successful, wealthy, nice, hardworking. He's going to ask, were you faithful? Is your life right now in a place where if Jesus were to stand before you, he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant? Well, if not, then where is the commitment that you need to make as you seek to serve God in all faithfulness? Trusting in him and following his commandments no matter what. Because no matter where you are in the journey, you can always start with a new, re renewed commitment today. May today be that day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for being faithful to us, and I ask that you would help us to be faithful to you in return. May we put our whole trust in your grace. And Lord, wherever it is that somebody in this room today is struggling with commitment, I pray that you would impress upon their heart something specific that they can do. 
Lord, whoever, whatever it is, Lord, you, you brought them to this, this service this morning for a reason, Lord. They, they chose to come and they didn't know what they were going to hear, but now that here they are receiving that call from you to be committed and to be faithful to you, Lord. Whatever it is that that person or persons is hearing, Lord, today, would you make it known in their life that they might fully seek to respond to you with commitment and faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.